this is Georgina Terry. Welcome to another episode of Tea Chatter. Today is a really cool session of Tea Chatter. We're going to be talking to Ian Jackson. Uh, Ian is the founder of Breath Play. And here's Breath Play in a nutshell. If you thought breathing was just about sucking air in, think again. Learning to breathe correctly when you're on the bicycle can make an amazing difference in your performance on the bike. I hope you'll find this talk with Ian as fascinating as I did. Hi, Ian. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Hi, Georgina. I really appreciate the invitation to uh, take part in this. Well, I tell you, I found out about your your breath play program a couple of years ago and uh, got some information on it and, and started applying it to my cycling and found out that it made a phenomenal difference. You know, I think most cyclists, when they think about training their bodies, they think about legs, and then they think about nutrition, they think about core, but most of us just assume, what do we need to know about breathing? Doesn't it just come naturally? Right. I remember that's exactly the feedback I got when I went to the Olympic Training Center. Uh, Eddie Borsevich, who was Olympic head coach at the time, introduced me to the cyclists, and the very first comment was skepticism. This this guy in the back was kind of leaning his chair against the back wall, kind of a really um, brash kid, you know, the confident. And, and <laughs> we became good friends. It was, it was. It, I didn't feel offended. It was just he was just being real. He said to me, "You know, I really don't know what you're doing here. There's nothing to learn. All you do in cycling is." Suck air and mash the pedals, or really it was the other way around. You just mash the pedals and suck air. And what I did at that point, I, I knew he was very talented. I knew he'd been very successful. So I invited him to talk about his racing success, which he did with um, justifiable pride. And when he'd done this for a while, I simply asked him, you mean to tell me you achieved all these results based on air sucking, pedal mashing. <laughs> and I said, wait till you see what happens when you learn air pushing, pedal finessing. So explain this a little bit more, air pushing. What, what's going on? What, how do you... Okay, let's see. Perhaps what would help would be to describe how I stumbled across this. So I was living in Mountain View at the time, and I was um, ed- writing and editing at Runner's World magazine. And the, the jazz dance class was in Palo Alto. So it's about a seven-mile distance. So I thought, well, you know, I'll wear my West Valley Track Club T-shirt, and I'll run to class. So I ran seven miles to class. I took the class. After the dance class, with my awareness tune, I had a seven-mile run home. Uh-huh. And in this one particular class, we did a combination which involved pelvic rock, uh, forward back, side to side, um, hip, hip rock, uh, tail on tuck. It looked good. It looked playful. It, it was it was a fun combination to learn. And as I pushed my pelvis forward for the forward rock of the pelvis, I noticed that automatically, without my thinking about it, the air got pushed out. And, and let me try to make that really clear. I want, I want it to be easy for people to kind of see in their mind's eye what I'm talking about. It's like um, the out-breath was pulling the abdominal wall back, 
what you what you can imagine if you're standing, for instance, and you have the, your hand on your abdominal wall, um, and you pull your abdominal wall back, you pull your navel back towards the spine, that will tend to kind of tuck the tailbone under. That was the dynamic of the pelvic rock. You kind of pull the belly back, tuck the tailbone under, and of course the the, the pelvis would rock forward. Uh, or imagine that the pelvis is a bowl and it's full of water to the brim so that as you tuck the tailbone under, the back of the bowl, the back rim kind of dips down so you're pouring water out the bowl behind your heels. And then you kind of relax on the in-breath so the bowl returns to a level position. And on the out-breath, you pull the belly back, which tucks the tailbone under, pours water out the back of the bowl behind your heels. And then on the in-breath, you just relax and let the bowl become level again. Is that clear or is this is my yes, image? Yes, no, no, of... that's, that's clear. I've got that image. Yeah, okay. I think that's good. When did when did you start then to apply this concept of bicycling, and how well, did that evolve? Okay, well that that's kind of in a sense it's a, it's a few years later. Um, I, this was in 1975 when I stumbled across this, and um, you know I I just kept in the dance and I I um, I was with a modern company. I was performing with a modern company, and finally. I went to the dance form that had most intimidated me at the beginning, which was classical ballet, because everyone said, you know, all the dancers told me, I don't care what dance form you enjoy, classic dance training, classical ballet training is fundamental. So I thought, okay, I'll bite the bullet and do classical dance training. And um, it was my ballet master, my ballet teacher, who gave me the insights into how to work the body for precise power. Can let let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, can can you give an example just to one of the cyclists who might, might be listening to this? You you said that this breathing is really important. How get into the details of it? I mean, how are you breathing out? How are you breathing in? How would our cyclist listen to this experiment for herself with this? That's that's that, that's a good way of bringing this into focus. Let me first of all kind of uh, go in a different direction and talk about rhythmic patterns. Okay. Uh, because the the best way to learn these techniques quickly and efficiently is to learn to breathe in rhythmic patterns. You know, don't worry about how you're breathing. Just worry about the rhythmic count. For instance, let me give a very basic pattern, which is three out, two in. The three-two pattern. Now notice that I this is a convention I've developed in describing the breath play rhythms. I always mention the out breath count first because that's in my mind the primary phase. That's the power mm-hmm. phase of the breath cycle. So three two, three out, two in. So now the best thing to pr- practice is at a walk because a walk is manageable, it's your own speed, and you just count one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Out, in. Hear that in Mm -hmm. your mind's ear. Could you hear the way I was putting a little bit of emphasis on each count? Yes, yes. You heard a hissing sound as I breathed out. 
is this so should this all be mouth breathing as opposed to nose nose breathing um i know this is a, a an area of controversy mouth breathing nose breathing this is what i say the out breath is best to use the mouth because you can shape the mouth and create back pressure by pursing the lips or something like that exactly in fact uh, copd patients people with respiratory problems are taught what's called pursed lips breathing. The idea is if they're caught out somewhere without their meds, uh, they have kind of a rescue technique, and that is to purse the lips as you breathe out to create back pressure, which in turn creates better gas exchange, uh-huh. oxygen and CO2. Okay. So that's, now, I don't particularly like the pursed lips idea because it, it t- tightens the jaw muscles, which in turn tends <laughs> yeah. to lead to tightness in the neck and shoulders, which is not good for cycling. Right, so I right. prefer using what I call tongue blocking. Ah. And I just use my tongue behind my teeth, so it's happening inside my mouth, not in the, 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 the purse lips um, kind of narrowing of the aperture. It's, it's within the mouth using the tongue to block the air. Makes a lot so, more sense. Right, and I, I always suggest, don't even think about exactly how you do it, just look for the sound. It's like, yeah, yeah. just create that sound, uh-huh. a hissing sound in the out-breath. And, of course, the in-breath, the two steps of the in-breath, you have a contrast. That's the relaxation phase, and I usually use a kind of, it's like, ah, it's like, um, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm being replenished. I'm being re revitalized i'm being recharged and it's nice so you really I, don't have to do anything because after you've forced all that air out it comes back exactly. in on its own you are relaxed exactly exactly you are relaxed you let it happen which is the most di- i really believe that the in-breath is the most difficult phase of the breath play patterns to learn because we're so used to sucking air it's it, it just it just it takes a while to make the mental shift to pushing air out and letting it in. So it, it, it's, it's not easy mm-hmm. to surrender to the inflow, but it's, it's wonderful when you build that skill, and it can be built quite quickly. What, just from a, a physiological standpoint, what's going on in the body that, that's making this so effective? I mean, I've experienced it myself where it's, it's just like you, you kind of add all of a sudden this, extra burst of power when you get into this rhythmic kind of breathing. And I keep thinking, okay, so what's going on that's making what's that going happen? On? Right. Okay. Now, the, the, I like to look at this from two points of view. One is musculoskeletal. That is, you know, the, 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 uh, the body frame and the muscular system itself. The other is cardiopulmonary. So it's, it's a cardiopulmonary engine and it's the, the live frame that fits on the bike frame, so to speak. <laughs> that's good. Okay, so now um, let's talk about the live frame fitting on the bike frame first. Uh, The key to classical dance training is to learn to work with a stretching spine. That's how you get the power in the plies, the releves, the the tendus, the pirouettes. All ballet technique is built around a stretching spine. So what's happening on the bike when you pull your belly back to push the air out and pull your ribs in to further aid that out-breath push, you stretch the spine. So, so basically, um, a cyclist 
using this technique is stretching the spine with every outbreath. And that stretching spine is the source of a power boost. Hmm? If you're pedaling from a stretching spine, you're putting more power into the pedals than you are from an inert spine. Okay. Or a quiet spine or an unmoving spine or a spine with no movement dynamics in it. So 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 that's what's happening. The breath patterns themselves are establishing a rhythm of stretch and release in the spine. And the body begins to adapt. The kinetic chain between the stretching spine and the turning pedal circles gradually becomes precise and clear. Over time, that becomes precise and clear so that you... Um, what I tell people is that, that, that you should feel on the in-breath, on the relaxation phase, that your feet are floating inside your shoes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a very interesting concept, and it's a, yeah. it's a good marker to look for because, because while you're putting power into the pedal circles, you should definitely feel a connection between the feet and the shoes. The, the feet are really working. The shoes are the interface, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like ballet shoes. The, the, the ballet shoes are the interface. The bike shoes are the interface. Both ballet shoes and bike shoes should be very snug fitting mm-hmm. while you know, giving you room to, to work the toes, obviously. But <clears throat> that's, that's what a cyclist can begin to look for is is the the outbreath is the engagement of the foot within the pedal shoe, the inbreath phase is the floating of the foot within the shoe. So, for instance, you've got a three-two pattern going, the one I just described, and you definitely feel the the foot shoe connection for the one, two, three, the, and then you definitely feel this uh, release or the surrender, the loss of connection the floating of the foot inside the shoes, of the feet inside the shoes for the two pedal strokes of the in-breath. And, and what's really happening is in order to get that floating sensation, it means that the feet must trace out almost independently those perfect circles. So it's a skill-refining process also because if, if the feet are not independently um, turning perfect circles within the shoes, they're going to be creating resistance and drag. Mm. Right, right. Yep. So so the, bre- the breathing process itself, the feet engaged in the shoes on the out-breath, the feet floating inside the shoes on the in-breath, that is a marvelous way to build incredible circling skills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How so, yes, about it's breathing... But it's not breathing. It's much more than breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How about the, the cardiopulmonary effect? Well, here's what happens um, step by step. I, I like to think of the, the breath play spinal stretch as a three-stage stretch. The first is it's a three-stage stretch from bottom to top. The first part of the stretch is, is the pullback of the abdominal wall that starts the, the squeezing of air out of the lungs. And that will tend to displace, like often called breath play, a displacement skill. Because, because by pulling the abdominal wall back, you're literally displacing 
or moving the abdominal contents back towards the spine and up against the underside of the diaphragm. And, and after you've done that first stage, you pull the belly back, then you close the rib cage down. And um, I, I like to think of this, I suggest mm-hmm. to people, um, imagine you've got a playing card between your thumb and your finger. You're kind of holding them out. The playing card is horizontal. Imagine that represents the diaphragm. Now, if you bring your thumb and forefinger together, the playing card will bend up. Right. And the closer you bring your thumb and forefinger, the more the playing card will bend up. So think about that as the diaphragm. And think about the playing card squeeze as something to represent the rib cage squeeze. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get very good at this stuff, um, you can actually bend. And this is a good marker I, I, I give people for, for higher level breath play skills. When you get very good at this stuff, your active out breath can actually bend the floating ribs. Those are the the two ribs on either side at the bottom of the rib cage, which do not reach around and connect with the breastbone. Right, right, right. So you can actually bend bones with your abdominal wall. Wow. <laughs> and you, you, you can imagine what this means to the volume of out-breath you're pushing out. Now, the final phase, phase three of the active out-breath, is to pull the shoulder blades down, pull the, pull the collarbones down, and push the ears up. Hmm. And again, this is, in a sense, straight out of classical dance training. Mm-hmm. You know, you're 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 always it's like ears up, ears up and back. Interesting. <laughs> part, it's you know it's part of how you you hold the body uh, to to create the control you're looking for. Right, right. So does that does that make sense? We've got a three stage bottom to top, active out breath, and the the reason that this works so well from the cardiopulmonary point of view is that. One, um, you've got the, the, the high pressure on the outbreath caused by that tongue blocking. Uh, another is that you're using all the core muscles. You're engaging the core muscles to squeeze the, the lungs as small as you can. Mm-hmm. Squeeze the lungs from beneath by making the diaphragm go far higher than usual. Mm-hmm. Squeeze the lungs from all around by pulling the rib cage in and squeeze the lungs from on top by pulling the shoulder blades and the collarbones down. So it's like you go from the bottom to the top, um, making the, the chest cavity where the, where the heart and lungs live, so to speak. You, you compress that cavity. So there's kind of a rhythm of compression and release. It's, it's very interesting stuff is going on here. I've got a, a doctor friend who's, become very excited recently using breath play. And, of course, he knows how to search the medical literature. And, <laughs> right. And, and it, so, you know, I didn't know what to look for. Um, there's been breath play research, but it was never published in a peer-reviewed journal. So, you know, it's not out there. Um, so, anyway, he did some research, and he, he was very excited by what he found. And he said that... that in his opinion, based on his reading of the research, the power of breath play doesn't come so much from what it does to the cardiopulmonary engine, but from what it does to the brain. Oh, really? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, what happens is this, that 
that because of the active outbreath, you're constantly filling the brain with oxygen-rich blood. Uh, fatigue is um, with normal breathing. Uh, what he was saying was that the, the, the primary component of the onset of fatigue is not necessarily the accumulation of lactic acid in the muscles, mm-hmm. but a, a, a reducing or diminution of the amount of oxygen the brain is getting. That is, the, in a sense, the first step in the fatigue, pr- fatigue process. I've never heard that before, <laughs> but it's an interesting idea. And what he's, what he's saying is, look, if you're breathing with the breath play patterns all the time on the bike, you might have a long ride, and the people riding around you will be getting fatigued because they're air sucking. Mm-hmm. But you won't mm-hmm. because you've kept a constant supply of oxygen-rich blood going to the brain. And to the muscles as well. So you're really... And to the muscles as well, yes. But getting a great effect pers- out of this. You know, yeah, the, from his perspective, what was so intriguing was the the supply to the brain. He said the brain is is it's the alpha and omega. I mean, everything happens yeah. first in the brain. So I'm you know I'm not a doctor. And yeah, I'm not, yeah. a, not a very very uh, uh, well informed physiologist, but but this is a very exciting idea to me because it suggests that the feedback I get from people is due to multiple changes in the way the body functions. Mm-hmm. You Tell become... me now. Okay, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Tell me now, so suppose I'm out for a bike ride. Right. Uh, and I'm, I'm riding down the road. Um, I, I can probably tie this 3-2 breathing into my pedal rhythm, can I not? Is oh, it... exactly. In fact, I wish I had made that connection earlier when I was describing playing with a walk. Um, the reason I suggested starting with a walk is simply because it's slow-paced and you can build a clear recognition of the pattern. Once you've got that pattern recognition, take it to the bike. And and and, and think of uh, probably the best point to use as equivalent to a footstep. You know, in normal pedaling, the highest power point is a little over the top yeah, of right. the pedal circle. Maybe, yep. what is it? One o'clock, two Probably o'clock, about two o'clock, like one o'clock, yep. Right. So let that be where your muscles feel that they're most fully engaged. Let that be the equivalent of a footstep. Okay. So, so as you're hearing, uh, if, if, if you were riding alongside me and if you attuned yourself to my pedaling, uh, you'd see, you'd hear... And as you heard those three, two patterns, you'd see my pedal strokes fitting exactly in that rhythm. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not kind of, kind of casually connected. It is deeply connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I imagine you can play all sorts of games by, by, by changing where you decide to begin the out breath. Maybe it's not at one or two. Maybe it's somewhere else in the pedal stroke. Your your mind is going the way I love to see minds going. It's, this is like the systematic use of curiosity. Um, it's it's like I like to talk about breath play. It's a learning technique. It's a systematic, coherent learning technique. And I I love it when I hear from people, boy, I'm using it to check this out and to check that out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can play, for instance, um, 
I know some people in teaching pedaling techniques like to to use the image of scraping mud yep, off yep. the bottom of a shoe against the the a step. Yep. So you can let the the um, the, the six o'clock position, the yeah, bottom the scrape position, part. scrape part. You can let the scrape part be where you count the three two rhythms. Fascinating, and I could see you know as you change or you decide to take the three and the two and all that. You can engage totally different muscle sets and exactly. kind of, you know, spread the effort around a little bit. I I even have a name for this. Not I didn't come up with it. Uh, a Canadian cyclist I was working with um, came up with this term. Beautiful, perfect term for it. He said you can change the cadence marking points. Ah, that's perfect. Isn't yep. that a nice yep. phrase? That's the, the right. The cadence marking point can be right over the top of the pedal circle. Yep. At around two o'clock, it can be down at six o'clock. Yeah, it can be at say say maybe three o'clock. You might uh, get a, a pedal lift at, at the three yep. o'clock position. You might mark it there. So yes, you can shift the cadence marking point at will. Exactly. Exactly. To to accentuate the learning process. Well, well, it you know I as I told you I know from personal experience that it can really make a huge difference and. And, and, you know, I also I think I've said to you is that it, it's not necessarily something that comes naturally. It's like every other technique you learn on a bike. You've got to practice makes perfect. And the more you work with it, the better you get at it, the more depth you find in it. And I know that 3-2 is just the beginning. You've got all sorts of, of uh, combinations that go way beyond that. As you become more skilled, you can put more right. of these tools to work. You, you need you need different <clears throat> breathing gears because the work rate is is constantly changing. Yes. If you're climbing, a three two might be too slow. You might decide to drop down to a two one. Yes, exactly, exactly. If you've got a tailwind, a three two would feel too easy. Yep. So you might want to go to, for instance, a um, like the zooming CD. It's six out, three in. Yep. Yep. Uh, or, or perhaps you're somewhere in between. You might try four out three in, or, or five out two in. Matter of fact, when I when I get people started on this training process, I offer them three one count in breaths to play with, three two count in breaths to play with, and three three count in breaths to play with. Uh, the one count in breath is two out one in, and then four out one in, then six out one in. Two count in breath is three out two in, five out two in, seven out two in, and the three count in breath is four out three in, six out three in, and eight out three in. Which brings me to a question that a lot of people might have, and I had it when I first started too. Is I noticed that your out breath count is always longer than your in breath count, and you know your immediate reaction is, well, if it took me three breaths to get it out, how in the world am I going to get it all back in in two? <laughs> Okay, and and that's 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 a good that's a good perception. Remember, I said I think the in breath is the hardest part of the skill to learn. But in fact, I've had some people, the Canadian writer who came up with the idea of the cadence marking points, he said, Ian, there's no way I'm going to be able to do a one count in breath. You know, that's simply too short right. a period of time. It's just it's just beyond my capacities. <laughs> Maybe you can do it, but I can't do it. And then a few months after making that statement. Uh, he gave me an excited phone call. He said, Ian, you'll never guess what happened. You know, and, and he's always talking about riding against these hotshot triathletes because he was <laughs> almost 60 years old at the time. And it gave him great pride to worry these young guys. 
you know. <laughs> and he was talking about um, being on a climb and, and, and trying to just pull further away from the the younger riders who he was in danger, you know, he was putting them in danger of getting dropped. He said it suddenly started happening all by itself. Yeah, yep. He said, you put the idea in my mind, and I just, um, I guess it percolated yeah. independently, and it just started working. So, yes, it does. The one-count in-breath is very challenging. It demands instantaneous relaxation of the core muscle contraction you've used to push your air out. But it is very doable. Exactly, exactly. See, it almost seems, look from the side, it'll almost seem like the belly pops open. Yeah, yeah, and it starts yeah. It's flattening again on the next out breath, and it pops open again. <laughs> it flattens again. It pop- so you've got to be unashamed about having a belly. <laughs> it's a belly for all the right reasons and not the wrong right, reasons. Right, belly for the right reasons. It's a, it's a belly for free in inflow of air. Because when you relax the belly, there's no resistance to the downward movement of the diaphragm. Right. It just all comes right back in. Exactly. All by itself, very, very quickly. Well, Ian, this is great. I, I hope people come away from this podcast uh, excited about this concept and that they'll go to breathplay.com and find out a lot more about you and, and how to get involved in some of these programs. Because, as I said, it's made a huge difference for me as a cyclist. Uh well, I am I'm very glad to hear that. And it's to me it's it's a great pleasure to offer an idea that seems so improbable. Because because really what you're doing with breath play is you're 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 breathing against the respiratory tide of billions. Yep. Everyone worldwide, the effort goes up, the air sucking starts. So just a very small group of martial artists, dance artists Meditators have insight into doing the opposite. That is the well. You know, one of the the kind of neat things that I found about this is, yeah, it's one thing to use on the bicycle, but I find even when I'm just sitting around relaxing, I concentrate more on out breath than in breath. Mm -hmm. And then when that happened, I thought, oh man, this has really worked its way into my head. I no longer think about breathing in. I'm always thinking about pushing it out. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's like I'm driving my car. Um, I'm constantly using the steering wheel uh, as a, a kind of hold point to push back on the outbreath. I've got a long light, for instance. I don't just sit there like a bump on a log. I'd want to use my time. Yeah. So I just use the, the breathing. I push forward in the steering wheel. I press my lower back against the seat back. I push the back of my head up to stretch the neck. I just use everyday opportunities to play with this simple breathing reversal. Yeah. Active yep. out, passive in, pushing air out, letting it in. Amazing. And it is incredibly relaxing as well too. I always think about, you know, when you're on the bike and you really get into the zone then everything seems effortless and this is one piece of that. Um I, I like to tell a brief story which you maybe ought to get in or not, but um when I had done the first breath play CD, which was the Serendipity 5-2 CD, 5-out-2 in CD, I was very excited, um, and I had a friend who was part owner of a, a prestigious fitness club in Dallas. And so I went there to, to have him try it, and he got on the treadmill and just was walking along with the 5-2 patterns, 
listening to the audio input and respond to the audio input. And at the end of the, the session, I kind of put my hand over the, the treadmill and said, I said, Bill, how long have you been walking? And he said, well, I've been walking quite a while, uh, at least 15, 20 minutes. And I took my hand off and said, look. And, of course, the 5-2 the CD is 69 minutes long. <laughs> and he just went, What? <laughs> And it just so happened that a friend of his was visiting um, a doctor, uh, Mark Evans. I've got him in my in my file. So, but anyway, a doctor from Colorado was visiting him, and they discussed it that evening. And so the doctor got very excited, called me up and said, would you be willing to be the subject of an experiment? Would you come into the fitness club and have me hook you up to my uh, machines? And I said, certainly, I'd love to do that. Yeah. So I came in, and I was using the 5-2 serendipity, 5-2 out-in pattern. I cranked the treadmill up to the highest elevation, which was 15 degrees. Wow. And I was going close to uh, about 4.5 miles an hour, very oh. steep uphill walk, going very hard. Now, now, now what, um, what the doctor told me was, you should be showing, this is almost like a fight or flight situation. You should be showing virtually 100% sympathetic innervation. What he found was I was showing virtually 100% parasympathetic innervation, hmm. which is associated with deep meditation, deep sleep, deep <laughs> translate. So, so while, while working really hard, my nervous system was operating as if I were sitting cross-legged in deep meditation. Wow. <laughs> now, that has got to be a key idea for cyclists because oh, what definitely. it means is, you know, you, it, it's, it's not just your imagination. When you feel the relaxation of using these rhythmic patterns, it's because they establish strong parasympathetic activity. Right, right. So that's you know you can take that to the bank in the in the sense of that will change your performance. Yes, definitely. definitely. You'll be able to be at very high levels of of precision and and organization, and at the same time, at very deep levels of relaxation. Yeah, that's that's nirvana for a cyclist for sure. Right, it's like that's, the holy grail. Yeah, <laughs> this that's is what, what you're we're after. All looking for, <laughs> right? It's 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 certainly a. Um, it's certainly a high-value goal that the cyclists are oriented towards. So it's nice to know that relaxation is as close as your next breath. <laughs> or the your way next you achieve bike ride. it is, yeah, or your next bike ride. <laughs> Push the air out, let it in. Push it out, let it in. Push it out. Find power and relaxation within each breath cycle. Well, Ian, this is terrific. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I hope everyone else did too. Uh, I know. Okay, I do too. I I I I love to get feedback from people who have played with this and made some very exciting discoveries. Well, if they they go to breathplay.com, they can find out more and certainly talk to you there and leave you some feedback and and find out more. Okay. So, wonderful. Ian, thanks again. Let's let's do this again in the future and get into some more detail on some of these. That would be great. Okay. Wonderful. Thank I you. appreciate your interest. Oh, you're welcome.